Welcome to the Sell or Die podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Gittimer. And I'm your host, Jen Gittimer. Well, in this podcast, we're going to help you attract more qualified, unbelievable, ready-to-buy clients. We're going to help you build loyal relationships. And the one thing you're hoping for, close more deals. Let's get into it. It's time to sell or die. Welcome back, diehards. We today have a friend of mine, a guest of ours, and an all-around great guy from Indiana, which means not only is he honest, he's a nice person. <laughs> when you're from the Midwest, you're immediately, and he's bald. So Whoa. he's got the big three going for him. Midwest, honest, bald, can't beat it. And successful. Oh yeah, very successful. But that's that comes with being in the Midwest. You have a chance for success without having to be a jackass. Mm. And Glenn is, although probably there'll probably be a couple people who call him a jackass, but I would not. Yeah. And I'm we're from the jackass capital of the world. Mm-hmm. So we know one when we see one. But Glenn has built a business based on personality and doing it the right way. We went into Shapiro's Deli one day in Indianapolis, one of my favorite places to eat on the planet. And he knew everybody. Wow. We're, literally, we couldn't eat. We could not <laughs> eat because people kept going, Glenn Bill, how you doing? But I bought a house from you in 1907. Oh, that's so cool. And it's just nice when you get acknowledged that way. And it's also an affirmation for how you've conducted yourself over a period of time. Because the one thing I learned in the Midwest is consistency is the hobgoblin of success. So Glenn, t- talk to us about what predated your success? Like, where did you actually, where did you start out? Tell us your backstory. Sure. So, you know, it, before I met Jeffrey, you know, the, I met Jeffrey at a seminar. I don't know, Jeffrey, 15 years ago when you were speaking at a public seminar. Wow. Yeah. And I was bald then too. <laughs> and Jeffrey always, when he speaks publicly, and I recommend if you have an opportunity to see him speak, go. And if you're bald, you get free stuff. And so I was sitting in the audience and Jeffrey's like, you know, I'm going to give away stuff. And then he goes, who's this bald guy? And, you know, he didn't know me. And that was my very first experience. Gave me the little red book of selling, which seriously was the foundation. I mean, I've been selling for 35 years, for 20 years. But what it goes to show you is you're never too old and you're never too successful to learn new ideas. But very simply, my backstory is that I was a college football player. I decided to start a family and leave college football. I had to find an apartment. I was 19 years old. And so my soon-to-be wife and I went out looking, and for $445, we found an apartment and a a fantastic gentleman by the name of Dusty Asbury and his husband, Louis Moreno, put me in uh, our first apartment. My wife and I made $11,600 our first year together with a child. And Dusty and Lewis became fast friends. They said, we're looking for a leasing agent. And I said, great, I'm looking for a job. So uh, I um, be, quickly became a leasing agent for their property management company. And as I tend to do, I think there were about 80 to 70, 75% vacancy. And I said, guys, I said, this is unacceptable. I said, I'll get everything leased for you within a period of a few months. They said, how are you going to do it? I said, free groceries. So I had a friend who owned a grocery store. And I said, look, I need, I need vouchers for $300 worth of free groceries. We're going to pay you $150 for the $300 worth of groceries. And, and our 
tenants will come to your grocery store every time. I told the property owner that I needed $300 for $300 of groceries. He said, but Glenn, we're only paying him $150. And I said, well, exactly. You're going to pay me the other $150 as a bonus for every apartment that I lease. So it's $300 either way. Uh, and I got paid $150 to lease apartments extra than uh, what I was getting. Well, we ran that promotion and quickly they were cutting me bonus checks for like $2,500. And he's going, what in the hell is this guy doing? And so uh, they quickly said, Glenn, you know what? You ought to think about getting in the real estate business. So that's really how my real estate career started. And, uh, and uh, actually what's so cool, I've written two best-selling books right now. Uh, you know, you guys, I'm sure have a service that books you. And lo and behold, Van Roy Properties comes across. They're looking for a speaker. And I called in. I said, you're not going to believe this. I was Carl Van Roy's leasing agent 32 years ago. She calls Carl. Carl goes, you got to be shitting me. And boom, I'm going to be doing a, a team building session for Van Roy Properties, wow. my very first Full property circle. management job, 32 years later. And, and I actually mentioned Carl in the book. And, and uh, that story is in the book of you know how I created this thing that I called attitude-based selling, which is, is something that we're coming out with. It's you know how to use a positive attitude to sell more by being a part of something bigger than you and helping everybody win. The grocery store won. The tenants won, my owner won, and guess what? I won. We created four winners in that game plan. And you know what? They were at 100% occupancy. And when you're at 100% occupancy on the multifamily business, guess what you can do? Uh, lower your cap rate and raise your price and sell the building. So yep. just because, yeah. So just because you're at 100% occupancy, I probably raised the value of that building for him by about 750,000 bucks. Wow. Wait a yeah. We bought an apartment house. My dad and I bought an apartment house when I came back from Europe in 1968. And it had uh, like a 75% occupancy rate. I got it to 104% by furnishing apartments, yes. leasing them out, and allowing people to break the lease if I just kept their security mm -hmm. deposit. So I'm at 104% occupancy. <laughs> And we sold the building for a hundred thousand dollar profit literally in less than two years. Wow. And this is in the 60s. This is pretty interesting. My father is a family business person. And when we sold the business, I'm thinking, oh great, I get 50, he gets 50. No, no. My mom got 25, my brother who didn't do shit got 25, and my dad got 25, and I got 25. I was furious. But that's how businesses work. That is true. And, you know, the, the lesson there is it's always good to make sure it's your family business, not your father's family business. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's for Although, sure. I've pretty much done the same thing, Glenn. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, you have more kids and Carter's got little liver pills and grandkids. So there's a big split coming up for somebody someday. That's true. So what happened was I got into real estate at the age of 20. I got my license at the age of 18 at the age of 19, just had gotten married at the age of 20, started my sales career, walked into a large 75-person real estate company. I mean, are these, this, this, this is my competition, huh? Because mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm going to outwork every one of you people. Oh, yeah. And um, they were pissed because they said, oh, Glenn's from a big Catholic family and everybody gives him business. You know, if I was Glenn Bill, 
I was Glenn Bell, I could be the number one salesperson. So I quickly rose to the number one listing and sales agent in that company. And then at 23, I, I went out, uh, well, when my broker, it's funny how real estate agents are. I, I closed a deal. The commission was 2,500 bucks and I got a check for 1160. And I went, where the hell did the other 50% go? They said, well, that goes to the house. And it took me one check. And I said, oh, I need to be the house. I get it. So 36 months later, I purchased my first Century 21 office with two other people. Uh, we quickly grew that from 600,000 in revenue to 10 million in uh, commissionable sales revenue. And we ended up with three offices and 155 agents. And then we sold everything when I was about 39 years old. I want to say it was about 30. 14 years ago, we sold all three buildings and all the agents. Then I began, you know, my speaking career. I actually was doing source of sales. People said, how in the world did you grow from 23 to 37? And how'd you grow it? Well, what I did was I, I built my company on sales meetings and, and public speaking because most of the real estate companies in our marketplace had shitty sales meetings on Tuesday. Mine were awesome. Why? Because I would get the greats. I would get the Jeffrey Gittimers, the Tom Hopkins, the Floyd Wickmans, the Tony Robbins, the Jim Rohns, and I would condense their material, make it applicable to what I was doing, but they were usually based on the fundamentals of, of the greats of our industry, and I taught people. I taught people things that were already in the marketplace, and pretty soon, real estate agents just started coming to my sales meetings, and I said, guys, just come on in. We have a blast. Our sales meetings don't suck. They're full of value. Stay at your company. You don't need to even come and be with us. Well, obviously, you know yeah. what happens. They come yeah. into my meetings, we blow them away, and they go, "Man, we we're, we got to go to work with this guy." So yeah, we need a new desk. <laughs> we need a new desk, and we're happy to do it. So that's yeah, that's how I did it. And uh, you know, we sold a ton in 2008. I sold 200. You know, after the crash, sky's falling in. I sold 238 homes in one year. Wow! Right, everybody. Wow. No, here's a, this is what people don't understand. Glenn was a football player. When you play football, you have the discipline of getting in shape yeah. by doing two-a-day trainings. Mm -hmm. so, uh, Three-a-days back then, Coach. Okay. So two-a-days or three-a-days, but he's used to working his ass off. Yeah. And everybody else is used to taking a break and having a beer. Yeah, everybody else is into, uh, see, I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. And I'm comfortable making other people uncomfortable. And I think sometimes that's the secret sauce. So I coached football for 25 years. You asked me to do this on Labor Day. I'm like, you're working on Labor Day. I said, shit, I coached football for 25 years. I never, I haven't had a Labor Day off in 30 years. You know, we <laughs> practice first thing in the morning. Yeah, I think there's there's something about, you know, the game. I just, I love the game. The game's taught me so much. I've given a lot to the game. The game's given me a lot. And, you know, based on this premise that we were talking about off air, look at, I coached one of the most successful high school football teams in Indiana. And I, I coached over 1,500 kids in my marketplace. And those 1,500 kids each have two parents. So that's now 3,000, that's 4,500 people wow. that I've impacted. Yeah. So, you know, 
The first thing I tell my recruits when they come and sell for me, I told this to Alex Montagna, one of my top sales guys, graduated from Butler, he's selling Pacer tickets. Played baseball at Butler. I said, Alex, go to Zionsville High School. Zionsville was the number one per capita market income and home price in Indiana, central Indiana. I said, go coach the baseball team. He said, are you serious? I said, go coach Little League. So he goes and he coaches the junior high team, sells an 850, a 780, and a 1.2, all three from parents of who he taught. I said, how freaking hard is Over. this? Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. Listen, what he did, he didn't coach a team. He inspired young kids who loved him. Yeah. And those young kids go home and say, my coach is really who's your coach mm -hmm. glenn bill what does he do he sells real estate honey we oh need we a need a real estate agent well let me let me tell you what i told my kids number one you always respect your parents number two don't be a pain in the ass number three help them around the home and number four tell them you love them and thank them that they sent you to bishop chitard high school to play football now when your players come home and talk to their parents like that you better yeah. believe you know who the only real estate agent is. And I'm like, I don't care if you don't mean it. You tell them you love them and you thank them, even if you don't mean it. And boy, that, you know, I've had parents call me, you know, weepy. Oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, that you would say this. And that's what we did. You're in the real estate business. You're being successful. You've figured out that by being a great coach, by being a, a great guy, by helping inspire kids to win, you earn business without advertising. I, like you don't say I coach kids, you just do it. Yes. And as a result of it, that not all of your business comes from that, but the word of mouth is so valuable. It's scary. It is. And when you think about it on Friday nights, we would have an average of three to 4,000 people that would come to the games. So not it, it, it was the indirect, right? I was in front of three to 4,000 prospects every Friday night. Yeah. And, you know, we'd show up and I'd always walk through the parking lot on my way. You know, we always got there an hour and a half early. And I made it a point to shake everybody's hands, all the alumni, all the parents. I didn't give a shit who it was. And I would shake their hand. I'd, I would I would uh, engage with them. I would ask how I could help them or their life. And they'd always tell me about how great their kids were. You know, then I'd go coach the football game. But, you know, it was before and after where, you know, you look at sales is a contact sport period and right. i found a way on friday nights you know i shook a hundred hands every friday night every fall for for 25 years so in this book which i know the source of sales book that's our playbook we have a formula called c-a-c-c -C, contacts appointments contracts and closings and so i don't care what sales profession you're in we always work it backwards how many closings do you want to have right? How many contracts does it have to get to get those closings? How many appointments does it take to get to those contracts? And how many contacts does it take to get to those appointments? The CACC formula, it's changed people's lives. But you know, the bottom line is you got to talk to people when it's all said and done. There's a, a saying that your mom had, especially if you live in the Northeast, never talk to strangers. <laughs> right. And she didn't finish the sentence. Never talk to strangers unless you want to amount to something. Right. Then you always talk to strangers because that's where your new knowledge comes from. That's where your the wisdom of the street comes from. And that's where you meet people that can make a difference in your life. Yeah, real connection. I have a whole list of openers, but one of my openers is, hey, I'm just curious, do you own any real estate? I don't care who I was talking to. Yeah. And if they go, no, I would go, would you like to? <laughs> right. And 
you know, then there you go. I'm like, guys, that's all you got to do here. And so when you it's right back to some of your other openers, when I talk to people, so I'll do, um, uh, okay. So do you, uh, own any real estate? Would you like to, Hey, I'm just curious. Do you love where you live right now? Right. I'm just curious if you had an opportunity to live in a better place at a lower price, would you be interested in taking a look at some things? Yeah. Hey, I want to ask you a question. If I could help you lower your personal overhead by 10% and put you in a nicer home, is that something you'd be interested in learning about? There's another aspect of that, and that is the average person owns a home for five or six years. And so I would, and I'm sure Glenn asked the question, how long have you lived in your house? Because if it's 13 years, it's time to move. Right. They just haven't figured that out yet. One of my other favorites is how much do you love your wife? Because <laughs> I got a great place for her. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Wives always like that one. That's total. That's I'm, look, I'm looking at this piece of shit house that you have your wife living in. How'd you like to really become a hero? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the cool part is real estate in Indiana was affordable and banks would bend over backwards to get you in the home because it settled you and you know, made you a participant in the community. You know, when I bought my house in Bean Blossom, I went into the bank that was owned by Blanche Crawford, who was 84 years old at the time. Oh, yeah. And I said, I want to buy Ron Gray's house. And she says, how much is it? And I said, it's it's $80,000. This is a house, a log cabin house on 30 acres of land. Wow. Yeah, unbelievable. $80,000. She goes, how much are you going to put down? I said, I don't know, probably like 20. And she said, well, make it 25 and you got yourself a mortgage. <laughs> I said, do you want to know my name? <laughs> I got a very similar story. I had a, a buddy that passed, unfortunately. Uh, he had a couple doubles that I wanted to buy. A guy called me because he had been following me and watching me. Mm -hmm. And he said, hey, we I just got to get to know you. What you're doing is incredible. And we have breakfast. And he's like, is there anything I can do for you? And I said, well, got a couple doubles that I need to buy. And I promised that I would get this thing closed. I'm kind of up against the wall. I, and I need $150,000. He goes, yeah, well, that's fine when you want me to wire it. I said, are you kidding? He goes, oh, Clint, I know you. It's fine. And I'm like, we just met for breakfast, bro. And so set up the closing and he wires $150,000. He calls me three days later. He goes, hey, you know, I probably should have had you sign something before I sent the money. And I said, send whatever you want. I said, you know, I'll refinance it and get it off your books. But I mean, my God, that's uh, the value of what? Personal relationships. No, that's that's the old Midwest. school. That that's the, the Midwest. Midwest. Right. And the value of what you have, which to me is a deep commitment to relationships, sure, connection, real connection and long-term relationships. And, and I love that. And I think it's good. I, I tend to think, you know, relationships, relationship selling can sometimes be overused mm. and can be sometimes, I don't know, over-dramatized. What I really do is, you know, I founded this thing, the University of Attitude. So I have a lot of people that follow me. I think I sent Jeffrey, you know, my posts hit a half a million views at, at a time. We yeah. had 6 million people follow us. So I can't build relationships with 6 million people, but I can add value according, you know, this is a Jeffrey thing, right? Jeffrey really taught me, especially in Little Red Book and Cha-Ching, how to get the masses to need what I have right? And that was the Patterson, if I remember, was in your book and, and, and the story of the, uh, the receipt. And so yep. that's what I, you know, if people wanted a receipt, 
the bottom line is people need an attitude boost, right? People need to feel good. So I am a great relationship person, but I deliver, I like to believe that I deliver so much massive value to people that I don't know, they can't help but use me for whatever they're doing. And so, you know, we go, go ahead, coach. You're a friendship person, not just a relationship person. Yeah. Because we have built a friendship over the last 15 years that's not penetrable. Mm. We've eaten at each other's homes. <laughs> His kids are my fans. <laughs> right. And I think literally if I told them what to do, they'd do it before you told them what to do. There's no question. Yeah, there's no but, question. But the challenge is it's from a desire, not from an obligation. And that's the whole process. He, when you create that friend, and I literally, I learned how to be a friend and a neighbor in Indiana. Yeah. I didn't know it in New Jersey because there's no name. You meet your neighbors in New Jersey when you have your garage sale, when you're moving. <laughs> when you're leaving, that's true. <laughs> right. But and in, they want half price for all your stuff. In Indiana. They help you move. Huh? They, they show up. They show oh, yeah. up to pack your truck. Yeah. So I move into this house on 30 acres of land. And I, I'm a, a retired veteran lives up the street, John Klepper, who's renting a farm. And he comes down and says, can I borrow your mower? Because I had one of those sit down mowers that came with the house. I said, John, you can have it. Just mow my lawn. He goes, really? Like, <laughs> yep. And and the guy like drives up the road with my lawnmower, comes back every week, mows my lawn. Till I for four years, every no, one week he was sick and I had to mow my own lawn. Oh no. And the twins came out and started taking pictures of me <laughs> on the lawnmower because they knew what a rare event it was. I uh, a similar story. My old uh, basketball coach in high school. Uh, I have a guest house. You saw the house next to my house, that brown brick one. And uh, I rent it for a pretty high number. And my uh, old basketball coach lost his wife and we were talking and he always used to come up every summer because he taught driver's ed and he hadn't been up because of COVID. And I said, coach, you coming up this summer. We would always have, the, his name was Clovis Stenson. What a oh, yeah. great Midwest name. Played at Washington High School with George McGinnis and Billy Keller, actually. And so um, uh, he, he said, you know, nobody will do a short-term lease with me, Glenn. I said, I'll do a short-term lease, get your ass up to Indiana. He said, well, Glenn, I can't pay. I'm a Catholic school teacher. I can't pay. I said, just you pay me what you feel is fair. He goes, but I tell you what I'll do. He said, I'll work around your property for two months. Well, let me tell you something. I have yeah. landscapers. I have trees. This 77-year-old guy has my property looking, so, I mean, so good. He Every day he works, every day he's cutting limbs, breaking limbs up, burning shit, because that's the right thing to do. And that's what he does. And it's And it's been a pleasure to have him. But, you know, it's like, I don't know people that are... 50 or younger that even have an idea of what work ethic is or responsibility to neighbor or anything like that. But there's a um, responsibility to neighbor is huge. When I was driving in Brown County in the winter of 77, 78, which was the fiercest winter ever. The blizzard. My car gets stuck in the snow. I was not allowed to touch my car. People would come out, get it out of the snow. I'd be drinking hot chocolate <laughs> and waiting for my car to get out of a rut. And wow. that's how it is. Yeah. 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 It happens. It's, it's, it's kind of fun. It's a great place to be and a lot to learn, but uh, what else do we, what do you want to talk about sales? Let me explain how this evolves. Glenn's very successful business person. And I put a program out to become a speaker and Glenn shows up. <laughs> 
He was the biggest mouth guy in the room who refused to sit down, but he controlled the entire meeting from the back of the room, which I totally <laughs> loved. And he wanted to become a speaker. So we had all these, I think it was two weekends, we came down, picked Glenn as one of the as one of the guys, but Glenn didn't really want to do it with me. He wanted to do it on his own. <laughs> and he started out and it didn't go as well as he would want. And I have an email from you. Yes, I know. I don't think there's enough money in this for me. And I said, you stick at it. There's plenty of money in it. You're just not earning it yet. <laughs> and that was 10 years ago. How's it going so far? It's great. But the funnier story, and this gets into a little bit of business and who I am and how I've done it. Uh, Michelle Joyce, God love her. I got no problem with Michelle. But the assignment was to read one of Jeffrey's books. Well, I'm a I'm a freaking football sales guy. I don't read books, okay? And so I kind of blew off the assignment and I just created my own speech. So everybody else is giving Gittimer content and I get up there and I'm pacing back and forth and I use the word violence. And like Michelle like jumped, oh, don't ever use that word in a speech. And Glenn, when you speak, you have to stand still and you have to tell stories. And I'm going, this is the biggest bunch of crock of shit I've ever heard in my life. I'm like, whatever. And so she goes, Glenn, have you ever read anything from Jeffrey? I'm like, no. She's like, do you realize that part of what you're doing here is to go through Jeffrey's content? Well, I don't, I feel like Jeffrey, he saw something in me that I'm eternally grateful for. And he goes, Glenn, look at you. You obviously didn't understand the assignment, which was a common theme for me in school. Like I was the guy they said, who didn't put their name at the top of the paper? Oh, it had to be Glenn Bill, right? I said, do the odd problems only. And I'd turn in the even problems. It's just how I roll. And so, you know, Michelle, I could tell was not real happy with it. And uh, Jeffrey was so kind. He said, read my freaking book, redo the speech. Here's why this wasn't an issue for me. I've prepared football game plans from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. and gone out and perfected them. I'm like, that's fine. I got his book. It was just like a playbook. Got the assignment, came back. Jeffrey was nice enough to let me present again. And then he chose me to be one of the speakers. So that that was, it was cool. really but cool. The, the challenge was this. He wanted to do it. At first, he wanted to do it his way. But then he decided, well, let me do it a way that might work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because everyone rebels at first. I don't want to do it this way. I want to do it my way. Mm-hmm. And Michelle was my way or the highway. Yeah. But Jeffrey was, no, this guy's good. I don't care what he does. <laughs> We're going to figure out a way to make it happen for him. Because mm. well, that's best. what you, yeah, that's what you said to me. And that's what was so cool. You're like, dude, you, you totally missed the whole assignment, but man, you got presence and you got, you got like this energy. So, you know, even though I screwed up the whole thing, Jeffrey, just like a good coach does, said, let's focus on the positive. Let, let's look at the talent. And then now just do it this way. Yeah. Right. If you can catch the football, eventually you're going to score touchdowns. Right. And hopefully they're doing that with Jalen Hurts right now. You know, I'm hoping. We have the receivers. We even have a running back. We certainly have a defense. I think we're going to be 4-0. I think you're going to owe me dinner. at. at uh, <laughs> and by the way, if either team goes 0-4 or 4-0. Yes. Dinner at St. Elmo's. They have all day. Yes. Yeah. I learned one of the greatest lessons of my life at St. Elmo's Steakhouse. I was by myself. I went in. I sat down next to two U.S. Airways pilots. And I'm, oh, yeah, I fly U.S. I'm a chairman's preferred. I'm going to fly two million miles. He goes, I said, but the airline still sucks. He goes, well, you don't know our slogan. We're not satisfied until you're not satisfied. <laughs> and I just rolled. I, I almost fell off of my chair. These guys, 
I bought him drinks. I bought oh, him dinner. That's great. That's so good. So, Glenn, what did it look like to create this University of Attitude? <clears throat> Tell us the backstory there. I went to a uh, seminar. You know, again, you got to invest in yourself, right? And somebody, and and Jeffrey told me to write a book, but it, where it really was, it was called Celebrity Launchpad. And I got this idea to write the ABCs of attitude, right? Having a positive attitude is as easy as the ABCs. You know, from the book you know, became, I said, I got to do more than write a freaking book, right? And so what we did is we started the University of Attitude, America's number one place for attitude, for attitude awareness, helping people become aware of their attitude, attitude education, right? Uh, And attitude development. And so we're kind of going through a reformation. This has been, I mean, I've been doing this for 10 years. And we have what's called Global Attitude Awareness Day. This is another hack, if you will. I rent the biggest park in Indianapolis, Broad Ripple Park. I identified 20 501c3s, not established. I only wanted new 501c3s. So we have what's called the 501c3 Corral. And all 20 501c3s come in under this huge pavilion and they put up their stuff. And then I invite the public. We have, of course, uh, alcohol and food that gets the grownups there. But then we also have a big mural that the public paints on. We do tire flips, tug of war, football throw, baseball. So I invited all the grade schools to bring their kids. And we have competitive games, face painting. We do have yoga in the park and we make a whole big day out of it. Well, uh, it's great because we usually raise a thousand bucks for each 501c3 that's there. My hallucination and my goal is that we create an attitude ambassador in each and every state in America, and we have 50 attitude fests all on the same day. And uh, Global Attitude Awareness Day, we have a pledge where you do three things you walk a mile, you call somebody and tell them you love them, hug them preferably about how they affected your attitude. And number three, that you donate or give to charity in some form. And if you do all three of those, you're bound to feel good. And then you go to the event. And you know what happens at the event? Every newspaper covers me and what we do. Every radio, television, you know, again, I don't do it for the coverage, but Doesn't you know, hurt. I'm an opportunist, right? I mean, you know, you, you do. And so then you invite whole neighborhoods and whole communities and they come and you're putting this on and you're out in front and you're highlighting their kid in your videos and they go, what do you do? I sell real estate. So when I go in to listings in the past 10 years, people go, oh, well, we just love what you do with the attitude. You tell us what you need to list the home for and whatever your commission is, is fine. We just love what you do. So they want the attitude guy to sell their, they don't even care about what I've done in real estate. They just want to feel good and have me in their home. And so that's when I went, aha. But uh, ultimately what, what we want to do is get 50 attitude ambassadors in America, 50 outside of America that would give us 100. And we want a million people to celebrate Global Attitude Awareness Day. Uh, we have a Dr. Yomi Durajaway who's going to be on the Get Attitude podcast in two or three weeks. He did this in Nigeria. And um, so what we want to do is have a competition. What country has the greatest attitude? And so we had Attitude Fest in four different countries and America. But he had Nigeria, mind you, one of the poorest countries in the world. And he had, and I have videos of this. If you go to my website or attitudemovement.com, if it's still up, whole communities of kids with no shoes wearing their T-shirts with the University of Attitude. And they're dancing and they got, you know... I mean, it, it, it blew my mind. So uh, Nigeria is the country with the greatest attitude, even though financially they're the poorest people uh, that exist on our planet or some of them. Okay, so let's look at this from a real world standpoint. 
Glenn has a real estate office and most real estate offices have four or five salespeople working there and they got their little desk and they got the little office. How many agents do you have? Well, I had when I was when I was in the traditional franchise business, we had three offices and 150, 175 agents that would flex. Uh, I'm now with a new company called EXP, which has taken the traditional model of real estate and smashed it. We have amassed 84,000 agents in the past 12 years. And I personally have about 100 people just in, in what we call our downline for MLM type peoples. No, that comes from reputation of doing it the right way. Did you put an ad in the paper, wanted real estate agents? (laughs) No, I I have a rule when I build companies is that I'm not looking for people who aren't looking for me. I'm not a beggar. I did the same way when kids would come in and say, hey, I think I want to quit the football team. I'd say, fine, get get the hell out. You don't want us, then I get it. I'm not begging. Every time I begged a kid to stay on the team, it never paid off, ever. I totally agree with that. And anytime someone tries to cut your fee, they're always the worst client. Oh, yeah. I mean, and anyway, whoever's an issue, you need to cut bait as fast as you possibly can and And, be successful someplace else. And, you know, my wife isn't real happy because she's a bargain hunter, but I I tend, you know, I'm a premium buyer. I I pay like I pay. I, I don't negotiate. But you can expect more as a customer when you don't jip somebody, right? So uh, yeah, energetically yeah. too, it makes a big difference how much you want to show up and serve if you're getting your full fee versus if you feel like you have to provide the same service for half or less. Yeah, and, and I can tell you, commission suppression is a major issue in real estate right now. I mean, you talk about. Well, every business is being attacked, but the traditional real estate model that has been around for 120 years, which is why I don't support it anymore, uh, is under attack. It's getting crushed. Realtors are making less and less, and we're solving that problem with what I do. But that's you know that's a whole different podcast. Yeah, but, but you know what though, the it's still going to go to the person who can get the deal done. Sure. If I'm charging you one percent and I can't do a deal. And you're charging me 5% and you can do a deal, all of a sudden, 5% is okay. Yeah. And so that's, you know, what do, what do you pay for getting the deal done? And the answer is the market. Yes. Well, but like our builder communities, you know, the market was so good. Builders used to pay us three points. There were national builders that paid $5,000 flat fee for your commission. So you bring a buyer to a bill. Now, guess what? Yeah. They're paying us, yeah. Now they're paying us three again. But uh, people are after people are after uh, what's going on. The, you know, real estate, the whole industry of real estate is a big piece of pie. And there's really smart people looking at it, uh, redefining it, redoing it and finding out how to get in the uh, real estate agent's pocket. So it's, it's a very interesting dynamic. And so- they're also booksellers. Keller Williams guy, the one thing. Yeah. It's sold, you know, three quarters of a million books. Yeah. So if you He's think good. about a salesperson that's listening to our episode, yes. Um, what advice do you have for them on with their sales career? What's been not just advice, but like what's been the biggest game changer for you throughout the past however many years that have led to your success? Know your numbers. And I mean not just when you say that, I mean know your CACC formula. How many contacts do I need to make before I get somebody to say yeah? So you know, the problem is people are trying to jump through the contacts and go, okay, how do we do this so we don't have to contact people? And and everybody, especially in real estate, hey, 
we're going to go ahead and prospect for you and you're going to pay us a bunch of money so you don't have to prospect, right? And Zillow, right? Zillow's like, you don't want a cold call, right? And agents are like, no. Mm -hmm. And what are they doing? They're cold calling. They're cold calling agents to take their business to eat into that pie. So the bottom line is this, I was dead broke and I don't care what I had to sell. I would find the people and I would understand the customers where they're coming from that have to have my product. And then I would only call on those people. So, you know, to me, it was about creating that avatar of the perfect customer. Who are the people that actually need my service and out contacting them by far. So when I was 19 years old, there were these things called for sale by owners. Well, they're putting a freaking sign in your yard that says we want to sell our property. But you know who never called by owners? Real estate agents. <laughs> Amazing. Because they think that the customer is cheap mm -hmm. and won't right. pay a real estate commission. Yes. And I had a buddy in, and we talked about him. I had a buddy in Washington, D.C. who was in the real estate business and he would go around to for sale by owners and say, listen, I know you don't want a real estate, but just in case you run into an issue, here's some forms that you Smart. might need in order to be able to get the deal done. And if you run into a problem, just call me. Yeah. Be a commission, but you'll get the deal done. Well, of course, because they are the people, they are the consumer that's closest to the sale, right? right. Yeah. So I don't care what you're selling, but yeah, I used to say, hey, Mr. and Mrs. For Sale by Owner, I'm just curious, you doing open houses? Yeah. Do you, ha do you have any idea who's walking through your home? No. Don't you think it's probably a good idea that you know who's walking through your home? <laughs> so here, I, uh, what I want you to do is get them to sign in. I'm, I'm curious, do you ever follow up with the people that are going through your home? No, Glenn, we never do. Mm -hmm. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick up your list of everybody that's been through your home and I'm going to call them every day to find out what they thought of your home so I can give you valuable feedback. And I did just like, I don't want your listing. I'm just out here providing value. So I'd have 10, 15 by owners all with my signup sheets. And you know what I did after my open house? I'd go pick up 15 buyer leads from every for sale by owner. I'd get a hundred right. leads on Sunday and I'd call them. Hey, I saw you went through one, two, three, Maine. What'd you think of the home? We thought it sucked. By the way, Mr. and Mrs. Byron, I don't know if you work with a real estate agent, but I got a home just two blocks away that I think would be awesome for you. Would you like to take a look at it? And literally, my owners would hand me my week's worth of leads, and that's all I did. Yeah, so there you, you go. reverse engineered your leads and die hard. That's something for you to consider and think about. How can you go in a back door? How can you go in a way that most of your competitors may not be thinking about or may not be doing? And it may take some brainstorming, but the answer may also be right in front of your eyes. Right. It is in front of your eyes. When I, I set up a sales force for an embroidery company that was selling to college bookstores and I needed a team of people. So I called the major college bookstores, got the buyer and said, who do you like to buy from? And they gave me within two weeks... I had a $7 million Salesforce set up within right. two weeks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I want you to look at what Glenn is doing. Number one, he's asking people questions to start the process out. Number two, he's giving value in a way that endears himself to that customer. And number three, he creates what's known as cosmic debt. They don't owe him anything, but they're talking about the guy. Yeah. You know, and he's like... I don't want to use an F-bomb, but it's like, damn Glenn Bill. And he gets that reputation because he has been a valuable provider and he hasn't pushed himself. We're creating this program called Assertive Selling. Yes. And I own AssertiveSelling.com. Unbelievable. We just bought it 30 days ago. Okay, so the, the reason is we bought it is because I dissected how I sell. Yes. 
walk in and I ask questions. And sometimes the questions are real and sometimes they're funny as hell. So if I go into a CEO's office of a big company, I'll go, hey, do you want to you want to buy now or you want to hear the pitch? <laughs> and he goes, well, we're probably going to do something, Jeffrey. And I go, great, let's go eat. Right. Why do I want to sell somebody something that's already bought? Okay, so that's a strategy, but the, it begins with a question. Bugs Bunny, what's up, Docs? Yes. And you have to put yourself in that position. And he does it automatically mm -hmm. because he he's a nice guy he's from the Midwest. Yeah. He doesn't understand. You know, I got a brother-in-law who uh, knows everything about real estate. And he can really get you a deal. That's New York. I don't need a brother-in-law. Mm -hmm. I need some, someone that's going to sell me a property that I'm going to be proud of. Well, well, again, you know, I'm it's the old, I don't know who came up with the first. I'm an unconscious, competent salesperson. Mm -hmm. But what people don't get it, Jeffrey, you were kind. Well, Glenn Bill does it because it's easy. No, I'm an unconscious competent because I studied the Little Red Book and I ate that book for breakfast for two years. And you probably in that book, if I had to guess, pose 250 sales questions right now. My book, the Source of Sales Playbook and Book, I have 750 questions because selling is not telling. It is creating options and alternatives. And it all starts with the power of questions. I got a whole chapter in the book about it. But I promise you, it's not because I'm a nice guy that I'm a world-class questioner. It's because I eat information from the legends of sales that taught me what to ask, how to ask it, proximity to a client. Um, they taught me how to analyze the client, understand the customer. They taught me what value meant. You know, I love Jeffrey's quote, value is what you do for a customer on behalf of a customer before you even ask them for the business. Like that one hit me over the head like a ton of bricks. And that's, I mean, that's what goes through. And I ask people, what are you doing for your community on behalf of your community before you even ask the community to return the favor? And it's not just the customer, it's a bigger picture. What are you doing? What are you doing for your profession? So like there's uh, 10,000 real estate agents in, in our board of realtors. I'm, I'm on the board of directors, right? How are you serving your biggest competitors? Are you educating your biggest? Let me tell you, the biggest source of sales leads is to serve and educate your competitors because they'll all come work for you, which is what I did in real estate by training them at my sales meetings, right? You want to know how to sell whatever you're selling? Go find the number one person that's doing it and outserve them. And they're either going to buy you, merge with you, or give you leads that they don't want. So what are you doing for your profession? That's, I think, a really, really big one. There's one other thing I want to talk about before we go. Glenn has children that are on fire. <laughs> they all want to be like Glenn. No. Well, it's hard to do because Glenn is very fortunate to earn a pretty decent living. So his kids are all trying to match up to daddy. And I've you know, my dad was making 100 grand a year. And when I finished college, I'm only making 50 grand a year. All my friends were making 20 or 30. And I'm a failure at 50. And they're successful at 20 and 30. Yes. So you have to look at it from that perspective. But Glenn's kids are going to come to our certification. And I'm going to give them an earful and a brainful <laughs> of things that will put them on a path to at least catch up to their dad. Because 
they're not going to listen to their parents as much as they're going to listen to an outside person giving them exactly the same advice. <laughs> yes. Any argument with that? No, I, I think uh, when we talk about the three biggest mistakes people make with their attitude, uh, I have A, B, C, I won't go through them, but C is called the can't conundrum. And are you focusing on what you can't be, what you can't do, and what you can't have? Or are mm -hmm. you focusing on what you can be, you can do, and you can't have? And very late into the wee hours of the morning, my sons and I were all drinking beer and, and uh, talking. And Anthony looks at, at Alex and goes, look at dude, quit comparing yourself to dad because you're never, you're, go you're going to always be disappointed. And one of the things that I try to teach them and anybody I talk to is stop comparing yourself to anyone. Yeah. Like take the pressure off, compare yourself to who you are, and you just need to be you and you just need to get a little bit better on your own. But you know, it, you know, the can't conundrum and and that 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 deal of comparing yourself to other people, it will destroy your career and it will take all the fun out of your business. And so my hope is that any diehard, as hard as it is, you want to compare yourself to Jeffrey because he's a mentor and, and you're learning, but be the best person you can be. What do you call me? I call you a mentor. I think it's a different thing. Oh, I call you coach. Right. Yes. Right. At but, one o'clock in the morning, I get a text from Glenn Bill. He goes, coach. This is yeah. what just happened. <laughs> well, uh, you are a coach, but you've never sold me a coaching program. So I, right. you know, that that's the biggest compliment I can. And I call only people I love, respect, and know that are in war with me, coach. Just go to glenville.com. I've uh, merged all the crazy shit that I do into one website, finally. It's called glenville.com. You can see what's happening at the University of Attitude. You can see what's happening on our podcast. You can see what's happening at glenville.com, keynote speaking. And you can get the Source of Sales book there. You can get the ABC's book there. And just want to thank Jeffrey and, and you guys for being great mentors to me. And Jeffrey, thanks for being a coach to me. Yeah, my, it's my pleasure. Here's what's going to happen. When the kids come to our certification program, the first thing I'm going to do is put them on a podcast <laughs> and they're going to tell the audience how much their dad really means to them. And that is something that a parent cannot extract, mm. but a friend of a parent can easily extract because they're, they're going to confess. <laughs> and when a kid confesses like how much it means, then that that will be my gift to Glenn well, that's cool. I'm 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 fortunate that uh, I, I'm fortunate that my kids and I get along, and that uh, I support them. And uh, I mean, just you know, with me being me, but a lot of parents, you know, don't have that. And I can tell you that uh, the the card that I showed you, one of the greatest things that is happening in our life with the University of Attitude is we're teaching parents how to talk with their kids. And one thing that we use is that, uh, here, we, here it is, the 10 Attitude Booster Card, right? Mm -hmm. And so I tell the people that come to our seminars and that hear me speak, hand this to your kid and say, what are the two things that I don't do real well? I said, guess what? Your kid will want to talk to you. It's a yeah. great conversation because parents always want to tell, right? All about yeah. the question. It is, it's it totally is. You know, Jen, very few people embody the assertive selling process. And he may not be the most articulate about assertive selling and the, the things that make it up, the elements that make it up, but he's the essence of it. He asks before he tells. Mm -hmm. 
He goes for the customer, not for the sale. Mm -hmm. He's very magnanimous in terms of his charitable contributions. He's built a great reputation for himself and he's a good guy. And I think that most salespeople want to sell in this way and just have never been taught how. So if you're ready to learn the assertive selling process, come to one of our upcoming workshops, go to getamertraining.com slash certify to get the dates, all the info. And if you're one of the founding members, you'll also get half off. But here's the deal. This is a guy who's wildly successful and he's sending his children to our certification program. Pretty cool. There's got to be a reason. Oh, yeah. So I'll see you there. Until next time, I'm Jen Gittimer. I'm Jeffrey Gittimer, and I'm telling you, get certified, even if your ass falls off. Thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to like, share. Yeah, share with both your friends. And subscribe to the podcast. And remember, we have a free 22-day sales challenge. Just go to Gittimer.com slash sales challenge to start you on your way.